down on a scripture sometimes and you know you wonder wow god what you're trying to teach me what you're trying to show me where you're trying to take me through this you know and and then you get excited you know and stuff of what he's trying to reveal and bring to our understanding and we've been talking about apostolic doctrine and I know I've been spending, thank you, sir. I know I've been spending quite a bit of time on this. And so, you know, this would be our last lesson on it for a while. But we will come back probably before the end of the year uh, to, to look at it and get. And you will find that with doctrine, you, you know, if you've been around the church any while, you know, it's going to come keep rolling over and over and over because it is the doctrine of Jesus Christ. And the apostles. And so the things Jesus says, go ye therefore and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe in my name. They shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. If they drink any daily things shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. So what you find with doctrine and when you start teaching people, when you start giving Bible study, you start talking about the Lord, what you're going to find is you're just bringing doctrine over and over to them. Say, so this is why you have to know the doctrine. It's kind of like I said in military, when the military trained people, when new soldiers comes in, it's the leader's responsibility to train those soldiers to bring them up the par and so to what they need to do. So what they're doing is they're just teaching them the military doctrine over and over and over again. So it's no different than the church. We're in a spiritual warfare. So everything that we do, you're going to find that is rolling doctrine over and over and over again. And as you're rolling it to them, what are you doing? You're developing yourself because you're not forgetting what you've been taught, say, and so that's why the more it's no different than a, if a school teacher goes to school and they learn mathematics, then they go to college and they get a degree in mathematics. Then they go back into the school system and start teaching mathematics. What are they doing? They're developing themselves as they continue to pour it out into someone else. That's the whole concept of the church. See what we have learned. This is why Paul told Timothy in Second Timothy two two. He says the things that you have received. Do what? Give it to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. See? So that's why we learn the doctrine so that we can teach others so those others grow. They will teach also the same doctrine. See? And that's the, that's the importance. So last week we was talking about discipleship. We was talking about uh, how discipleship applies to our life. We was talking about obedience. Uh, how that flowed into doctrine. Then we moved in and talked about a little bit about character and the value and importance of having good godly character. And we found out that a life without character is usually a life that is void without doctrine, a good apostolic doctrine. Because when you have a strong apostolic doctrine in your life, you're going to have strong apostolic character or godly character because the doctrine of Jesus Christ is designed to build our character to make us more like him. Amen. So today I want to pick up on talking a little bit about truth. Amen. And and this is key because truth doctrine has proven to be true. And that's why Jesus teaching, you know, he says, I have told you the truth. 
And John 17, 17, it says, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. We know that in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God and the word was made flesh and it dwelt amongst us. So John 17, 17 says, sanctify them or make them holy or make them separated for your purpose through what? Through the truth. Through the word, which is the doctrine. Say, this is how we become pure. This is how we become perfect. This is how we become what? We live truth. We know the truth because it's the word of God. Say, and so this is why we must apply it and live it. Truth does you no good if you don't live truth. Say, that's that's the that's the steadfast point of it. See, you have to live the truth if you're going to change. See, this is why James tells us in James 1, 21 and 22, he says, don't just be a hearer of the word. He, first, he says, lay aside in verse 21. He says, lay aside all filthiness and superfluity with naughtiness and receive with grafted, I meant meekness. The engrafted word of God, which is what? Able to save your soul. See? Now, 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 look at that last portion there. What? Which is able to save your soul. The engrafted. In other words, receive the doctrine. See, this is why Paul tells Timothy in 1 Timothy 4, 16. He says, continue in the doctrine because you will save yourself. And everyone else that hears it from you. Because why? It's the truth. See, doctrine is designed to change you. It's designed to bring you into focus of what God is trying to make you. See, when, when the Jeremiah sees the, the, the potter's wheel, if I can use this analogy a little bit, what happens? The vessel is marred. And he pushes it down and starts over again to make another vessel. Well, it's the same way with us. See, when we come to God, we have Mars. We are sinners. We have a maybe an infraction or something that would cause us to not be like Christ. And so in certain ways, he has to put us back on the potter's wheel. To make us again. And this is what doctrine does to some degree because doctrine is truth. We begin to see the truth and we become a what? Paul told Timothy, we become vessels of honor. Meat for the master's use. Say, God is now molding us. He's preparing us for what he desires to do through us. And that's what doctrine does. Say, when I joined the military, as I said, they teach me doctrine because why? The military wants to use me. They don't, they don't pay all those millions of dollars, you know, to train me when I, to go out there and recruit me and uh, to bring me in and just says, just go do what you want to do. No, they want to use me for something bigger down the road, you know, and that's the same way in the church. See, we teach you doctrine because God wants to use you down the road. Say, 
And this is why Paul is trying to say, at the time you ought to be teachers. Say, you, you have need that one teach you again, which is the principles of oracles of God. He says, no, no, no. God, you want to learn the doctrine so you can be used. Say, God's got a purpose. He didn't, he didn't save you just to save you. You know, he, he wants you to be used in the kingdom of God. I think Paul says you are part of the building. Say, and so you have to be used by God is what he wants. You know, he, he's giving you a talent. You might not say, well, I don't know what my talent is. I guarantee you know what you're good at. Every one of us know what we can, we can do. I don't care if it's sewing or knitting or, you know, speaking or whatever. We all have a talent. At least one. We, you know, we know that the man was given one talent. Some was given two. Some was given five, you know. And what did they do? They, they, they gained more with that. Because they did something with it. So there's always a job in the church that you can use to develop and train others in the right way. See? So the truth, Jesus says in John 8, and if you continue in my word or in the truth, then are you my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth or the doctrine, and what will happen? It will make you free. See? And if the Son, which is the truth, Make you free, you'll be free indeed. See, so you have to have the truth, amen, to know. Because like I said, there's many doctrines out there. And this is why Paul tells the church at Ephesus uh, in the fourth chapter in the 11th verse. He says he's gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists and pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Until we all come into what? The unity of the faith, to the knowledge of the Son of God, to the perfect man, to the fullness of the stature of Christ, that we be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine. See, there's all kinds of winds out there that's blowing of doctrines, different doctrines, you see, but there's only one doctrine, Jesus Christ, say, the gospel. Then you can't be saved by any other, any other gospel. Say Acts 4.12, neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name on the heaven given unto men whereby we must be saved. Say, so the truth, the the true doctrine is so that we know Christ. Say, that's the key to to growing is to know and to know why you're doing what you're doing. Say, uh, again, Peter says you what? You add to your faith. Say, I got faith. But I got to add to it. It does me no good if I don't use it. See, that's why James says faith without works is dead. See, you got to put your faith in the action. You got to do something with it. See, you know, if not, you'll you'll reverse. See, you you, you want to exercise your faith. You know, just like in the military, you get out to do jumping jacks, exercise. You go in the military unit, they're doing what? PT? All the time. They're exercising to stay in shape. Well, it's the same way with your faith. You got to put it in action. If not, it's going to be dead. 
So Peter says you add to your faith. You add to your faith knowledge. You know, you got to learn about Christ. Learn why you're doing what you're doing. Learn why you're Christian. You know, learn. Just don't take it, you know, at face value. You got to know. You know, I used to, soldiers used to always ask the hand, drill sergeant, why do I need to know that? You know, how I many of you got kids and you tell your kid to do something, the first thing he says, why? Why? You know, because I said so. No, that don't cut it anymore. You need to tell them why. You know, they may come back again and say, why? But I guarantee you down the road, usually I hear my kids, my kids saying some stuff that I used to tell them stuff, you know, but they used to always say, why, why, why? You know, and now I hear them. I hear me in them, <laughs> you know, because you tell them. So you got to you got to have knowledge and the knowledge you've got to have. What temperance? You know, doctrine gets you in the self-control mode. When you look at all this stuff and how they're talking and doing it, you know, and reading and studying, all they're doing is just trying to bring you into that solid relationship with Jesus Christ. That's all it's designed to do. Because once we become complete in him, what happens? We become perfected. Okay? And that's that's the overall goal. And, and then when we're perfected in him, that's why Peter at the end of that Second Peter 1, Five, uh, verse 5 through 11, at verse 11, he says what? You're going to have an entrance right into heaven. Say, when Jesus comes for us, we're going to walk right in. You're not going to be doubting. You're not going to be worrying about where you're going. You're going to be confident, you know, in your, in your, you're going to be confident in yourself that I'm going to be with him. I'm going to that better place. You know, you're going to have that same attitude as Paul. When you read Paul's instructions and Paul's letters, what is he doing? He's just encouraged. He says, I know there's laid up for me a crown of righteousness. See, that's the attitude we've got to have. I know it's there. Get it. Nothing, Romans 8, nothing shall be able to separate me. That's moved to that completion. See, you're confident in your abilities. You're confident in yourself. Amen. To do that. Amen. So you want to be excited and with joy unspeakable and full of glory. Say, that's what truth does is truth moves you to this, to do what is there. Amen. Because truth gives us wisdom. It gives us the wisdom. It gives us the knowledge. It gives us the understanding of what we need to do. So truth. Truth, truth. Amen. We'll save by truth. Next is doctrine causes us and lead us to become righteous. Righteous. Amen. It causes us to be righteous. Again, that's God's overall purpose is for us to be righteous, to do what is right, to live right, to know how to be right is what he desires. When you look at Second Kings, and also is uh, written in the uh, Second Chronicles, and I think it's Second Chronicles thirty-four. But Josiah is is a young guy, and he's a, he's one of the good kings. You know, when you look at Israel's kings and all they had, you know, Josiah is one of the good kings. He's the one of the ones that seems to do right. He, he takes the kingdom at eight years old. At eight years old, can you imagine being a king at eight years old? Man, you don't even really have the 
your your understanding's clear yet, but at eight years old, he's the king. But he's doing things right. And at 18 years old, he's on the throne, and all of a sudden, you know, he's given some commands to clean out the house of God and to get it right and everything. And they're to take the offering and everything to pay the guys for fixing up the you know, the, the, the sanctuary and the, and the things is to get it right the way it's supposed to be. And they come across the book of the law. You know, and so the priest, which has the book of the law, they comes to Josiah and says, Oh yeah, with the offerings are good and everything. He says, but, uh, we found this book. And as they begin to read the book to him, he says, man, we're totally in violation. <laughs> you know, our fathers haven't done what they were, what God told us to do. No wonder we're having all kinds of problems. No wonder we're having all kinds of situations. You know, so he immediately implemented to go pray to ask God, what should I do? You know, and God tells the priest, he says, you tell them, well, the people are going to suffer because their fathers didn't do what they were supposed to do, but you'll be okay. So he still began to implement righteousness in the in the area. You know, start pulling down strongholds, started pulling down high places, you know, to get things back right. See, and that's what doctrine does is designed to help us to see right versus wrong and begin to correct ourselves. See? Is designed to let me see who I am. As James says, if I look into the perfect law of liberty and I continue therein and I be not a forgetful hearer but a doer, my deeds will be blessed. Say, and this is what God wants. He wants to bless me. And that's why when you look at Deuteronomy 28, as Moses is beginning to, to transition from leadership from him to Joshua, and Deuteronomy, he's he's bringing another uh, reaffirm of God's words, and he says, if you do this, you're going to be blessed. If you do that, you'll be blessed. If you, you do this, you're going to be the head. You're going to be blessed, 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 blessed. Say, but then he says, but if you don't, you're going to be cursed. Say, to get their mind thinking, look, you got to do this if you want to be blessed. Same way the Lord told Joshua, when he gets the leadership rings, he says, look, Joshua, don't ever let the law, this book depart out of your mouth. He says, you will do it, you will be strong, and you will have what? Good success. Say, so that's what doctrine is designed to do is to, to let us see where we are so that we can make the right choices and the right decisions that we will have the wisdom and the knowledge and the understanding of how to operate in our lives, how to operate in our homes, how to operate in our communities, our churches, to do what is right all the time. See, because God is a God of righteousness. Amen. And John chapter 12 verse 48. Amen. John 12 48. Notice what Jesus says here. He that rejected me 
and receive not my words, have one that judgeth him. The word that I have spoken, the same shall judge him in the last day. Notice, don't reject the word. It's the doctrine. See? Don't reject it. Now go back to Matthew chapter 7 and verse 21. Not everyone that saith to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of my Father, which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name have cast out devils. And in thy name done many wonderful works. And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you that work iniquity. Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it felt not. For it was founded upon a rock. Who's a rock save our Lord? Who's a rock save our God? See, the Word is God. The rock is God. And we have to build our lives on the rock. That's why Paul says in Corinthians 3.11, For other foundations can no man lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Then Paul says in Ephesians 2.20 and 21, And we're built upon the foundations of the apostles and prophets. Jesus Christ is the chief cornerstone in whom all the building fit framely together and grow it up into a holy temple unto the Lord. Say, so we've got to build our lives upon this rock. Verse 26, And everyone that heareth these says of mine, and doeth them not, shall be likened unto a foolish man, which built this house upon the sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. Verse 28, And it came to pass, when Jesus had ended all these sands, the people was astonished at what? His doctrine. His teachings. Say. The word. Say. They was astonished at the word. Amen. Because he taught them as one having authority. And not as the scribes. See. So, so we, we've got to, to build our lives on the word. We've got to study the word. Go back to Proverbs chapter 8. Proverbs chapter 8. If not wisdom cry, notice, if not wisdom cry and understand and put forth her voice, she's standing in the top of high places, by the way in the places of the paths. She crieth at the gates, at the entry of the city, at the coming in at the doors. Unto you, O men, I call, and my voice is to the sons of men. O ye simple, understand wisdom, and ye fools, be you of an understanding heart. Hear, 
For I will speak of excellent things, and the opening of my lips shall be right things. For my mouth shall speak truth, and wickedness is an abomination to my lips. All the words of my mouth are in righteousness. There is nothing forward or perverse in them. They are all plain to him that hath understanding, and right to them that findeth knowledge. See, this is why Peter is saying, add to your faith virtue, virtue what? Knowledge. See, they're going to be plain to him that find knowledge and have understanding. Receive my instructions, and not silver, and knowledge rather than choice gold. For wisdom is better than rubies, and all the things that thou mayest desire are not to be compared to it. I, wisdom, dwell with prudence or discretion and find out knowledge of witty inventions. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride, and arrogancy, and the evil way, and the forward mouth do I hate. Counsel is mine, and sound wisdom. I am understanding. I have strength. By me kings reign, and princes decree justice. By me princes rule, and nobles, even all the judges of the earth. I love them that love me, and those that seek me early shall find me. Riches and honor are with me. Yea, doable riches and righteousness. My fruit is better than gold. Yea, than fine gold and my revenue than choice silver. I lead in the way of righteousness and the midst of the paths of judgment. That I may cause those that love me to inherit substance and I will fill their treasures. Look at that. That's what God is telling Joshua. You're going to be strong and prosper. You're going to have great success. You're going to be overflowing. You would, same thing with Moses. You're going to be blessed over and over and over. See? The Lord possessed me in the beginning of his way before his works are old. So if you want to know who God was talking to when he says, let us make man, there's your answer. Wisdom. I was set up from everlasting from the beginning or ever the earth was. When there was no depths, I was brought forth. When there was no fountains abounding with water, before the mountains were settled, before the hills was, I brought forth. While as yet he had not made the earth, nor the fields, nor the high parts of the dust of the world. When he prepared the heavens, I was there. When he set a compass upon the face of the depths. When he established the clouds above. When he strengthened the fountains of the deep. When he gave to the sea his decree that the water should not pass his commandments. When he appointed the foundations of the earth. Then I was by him as one brought up with him. And I was daily his delight rejoicing always before him. Rejoicing in the habitable parts of his earth. And my delights were with the sons of men. Now, therefore, hearken unto me, O you children, for blessed are they that keep my ways. Hear instruction, and be wise, and refuse it not. Blessed is the man that heareth me, 
watching daily at my gates, waiting at the posts of my doors. For whoso findeth me, findeth life, and shall obtain favor of the Lord. But he that sinneth against me wrongeth his own soul. All they that hate me love death. Say, And so we can see here, he says, he's constantly talking about righteousness. Wisdom brings righteousness. First Corinthians, I think, is one twelve. Paul says Jesus Christ is, let me read it so I get it right. I think it's one twelve. No, 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 no. Wrong one. But it tells us that Jesus Christ is the wisdom of God and the power of God. He's the wisdom of God and he is the power of God. Thank you. Verse verse 21. Thank you. I know it's somewhere in that book. Thank God for helpers, administrators to help out, you know, to get to that stuff real quick. Notice, for after the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleases God by the foolish appreciation. They'll do what? Save them that is lost. But that's, I don't think that's the one. But it's, it says that Jesus is the wisdom of God. Might be in the second, but it's there. It's the wisdom of God and the power of God. Amen. Amen. So we got it. So, but anyhow, with doctrine is to make us right so that we walk in righteousness, we live in righteousness. Because what is God's overall goal? Is to get us there. And we know unrighteousness can't get there. And that's why the book of Revelation tells us that the white linen of the saints of God is righteousness. See? So, so we have to, to have righteousness and our teachings to show people how to do what is right. See? And that's why Moses is saying, if you do what is right, you'll be blessed. See? And that's what wisdom does. Wisdom is just designed to let you say, whoa, man. You observe people. If they're doing wrong, why am I going to do wrong? That's why Solomon starts out in Proverbs 1. He says, my son, if sinners entice you, says, consent not. Says, you don't do it. Because there's a trap waiting down the road. See? You got to have the wisdom to make right choices and right decisions in your life. And it comes from the word of God. So you line your life with it. See? So that you know. Ah, that goes against the word of God. I think David says in Psalms 119.11, or the assumptions are right, Psalms 119.11, thy word what? Have I hid in my heart? So I won't sin against you. Say, But what what we just find out in Proverbs, at the end of Proverbs, he that sinneth against me, what? Hated his own soul. All they that hate me, God says, love death. That's why when you read the, the major prophets, in the Bible, that's why, that's why Jeremiah is crying his heart out. That's why he's called a weeping prophet. You know, God is punishing people for not doing right. You know, 
That's, that's the overall premise of the book of Jeremiah. He's weeping and crying his heart out. His people are suffering. They're going through so much because they won't do right. And God just keeps telling them. You know, they ain't listening. They ain't doing what I told them to do. You know, he says in, in, in Jeremiah 16, stand you and ask, where's the old path? Where's the right way? And walk in and you find what? Rest for your soul. And what he say? They say, we ain't going to do that. Well, it ain't God's fault if you're suffering for not doing right. Even your parents used to tell you that. Uh, so, but but we have to realize that doctrine is designed to get us to do right, and that's because we were sinners. Say we was wrong. So God pulls us out. He gets us in the right path, and He gives us the roadmap of what to do right. So that we stay right to be like him because he wants to take us back to the right place. So we've got to, to be right. Amen. You know, and I've always, since I've been in church, I found out there's two reasons people don't do right. One, they don't want to. And two, they don't know the doctrine. Because the doctrine is designed to cause you to do right. <laughs> you know. Think about Paul's life. And you look at Acts 9, what was he doing? He was arresting Christians, killing Christians. He was doing all the wrong things. But he said he was born again. He was a Christian, right? Paul says, I'm a Christian. I'm doing all the right things. You know, I'm arresting these guys as messing up, you know, the church and all that. Well, the God got a hold of his heart and what happened? And then he got right. He got right. He feel like, realized he was wrong, so now he's got right. Amen. Praise God. Next is integrity. Doctrine is designed to bring us into integrity. We know the story of Job. Job is tested. You know, that Satan tried to get him to forgo his integrity, but he hangs on to his integrity. You know, and integrity is the value we place upon ourselves. Think about it. How much are you worth? You should realize how valuable you are that God was willing to die for you. Calvary should it should cause you to realize how important and how much value God places on you. You know, his creation. You know, just think about that. See, and that's what, you know, God wants us to walk in integrity all the time. One of probably one of the most saddest stories to me in the in the scripture, and there are some that are, you know, just ripping my heart out. But Gehazi, if you ever read Second Kings chapter five, we know with Naaman. Naaman comes. He he finally gets there because he's a leper. He's covered, you know. Uh, but he, God is using Naaman. Naaman is doing great things, and he comes to Elijah, you know, and he tells him to go dip seven times in the muddy Jordan River, and he come forth clean. And he comes forth clean. And then Naaman wants to pay Elijah. For, you know, the healing that God did. And he says, oh, no, you're not going to pay me. No, no way. No gifts. None of this stuff. You know, so Naaman is on his way back home. But the servant of Elisha runs behind him and stops him and lies. So my master has someone come and I'm paraphrasing here. And so he sent me and he wants some of the gold. He wants some of the raiments and all that. 
and he gets it. Naaman gets it to him. He, he even sent, has his servants to carry it back to the gate of the city and everything. And then Gehazi takes it and he hides it in his house and stuff. And then he goes back to the prophet. And the first thing the prophet says is, hey, where you been, Gehazi? I? Oh, I didn't go no place. Second lie. Yeah. Oh, I ain't going nowhere. He said, oh, yes, you did, because my heart did not go with you. And and notice what he says here. Let me read it here. You know, at the end of chapter Second uh, Samuel, Second Kings chapter 5. And I'll, I'll get there as quickly as possible. Elisha. Notice, starting with verse 25. And he went in and stood before his master, and Elisha said to him, Whence comest thou, Gehazi? And he says, Thy servant went nowhere there. And he said unto him, Went not my heart with thee, when the man turned again from his chariot to meet thee? Is it a time to receive money? And received garments and olive yards and vineyards and sheep and oxen and men servants and maid servants. The leprosy thereof, therefore, excuse me, of Naaman shall cleave unto thee and unto thy seed forever. And he went out from his presence a leper as white as snow. What a sad story. Think about it. He allowed his integrity to be compromised. See, doctrine is designed to cause you to be honest, to be truthful, to walk in truth. Psalms 15 says, Lord, who shall abide in thy tabernacle? Who shall dwell in thy holy hills? He that have clean hands and pure heart and that not given out his soul to vanity nor sworn deceitfully. You know, it, it, it shows us the value. You know, Job, we see in the second chapter of Job, the Bible says he retained his integrity. See, you, you got to be honest with yourself. Say, you, is you, is you. Say, you can lie to me, but don't lie to yourself. Be honest with you. If you're honest with you, you'll be honest with me. Say, because we represent God. Be truthful to yourself. Say, as the old saying, you know, if it's not you, then who? See? And so this is why integrity is so important. Even Jesus asked the question, what doth it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? See, I, I wonder if I was to try to sit down and figure out the silver and the gold that Naaman gave the Gehazi, what the price would have been today. But notice, he's a leper forever. And notice, it affects his seed, his family. Violation of integrity doesn't just affect you. It affects others. 
as well. See, so doctrine, Jesus' words are designed to teach us to be truthful because he's truthful. See, and he's honest. And so he desires us to be honest as well. We can't exchange anything for this soul. No matter all the money, no matter all the gifts, no matter everything we get, it cannot replace eternal salvation. Say, I want to be right. I want to live right. I want to walk in my integrity. Don't compromise your integrity. No, your moral courage. Stand firm. Amen. Next, doctrine helps us not to be novice. Amen. It prevents us from being novice. We, we must possess the knowledge and the skills and the abilities. Say, this is why Paul hits this point when he's teaching and he's writing. Paul constantly to try to, to, uh, inspire the mind of thinking. You, you find that Paul uses a lot of metaphors and things and he says, don't you know? You know, constantly you see him says, don't you know? Don't you know not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. And then what he say? Be not deceived. Don't let nobody deceive you. Say, the thing that you can. is basically what he's saying. You know, you need to know. And that's what doctrine is designed to do. Apostolic doctrine, the word of God and the truth of God's word, is so you know. That's the same way Jesus says. No, you're not. You know, if you don't build your house upon the rock, when the storms of life and things come, that house is going to fall. Say, you've got to know why you're doing what you're doing. You need the skills and the knowledge and the abilities to stand firm, to be solid uh, in God. You don't want to be a novice. You don't want to know. Say, that's one of the things in ministry that we question men and women on to make sure they're not novice. You can't be a beginner in this. You got to know what you're teaching. You got to know why you're doing what you're doing. See? You can't be a novice. That's what Paul tells Timothy. If you look at Second Timothy, he said, moreover, it was required of a bishop that a man be what? Blameless. The husband of one wife. Apt to teach. Patience. Godliness. You know? And some people says, well, why did God let all the people marry so many wives in the Old Testament? <laughs> he didn't. They did it on their own. But look what happened when you might marry more than one. <laughs> Every one of them had all kinds of troubles, didn't they? Because <laughs> God tell them when they asked Jesus the same question, what did he say from the beginning? <laughs> it was one. And God didn't change. They did wrong. So, amen. So, but we can't be novice. You know, we, we got to move on to perfection. Second Peter 3.18, Peter finishes, you know, if you read that whole chapter, the, you know, Peter, you know, Peter's letters are kind of small to some degree, but they're power packed. You know, when you, you look at the same way with Jude's little one page in your Bible, you know, you, you, it's really, they're really power packed letters. See, we focus a lot of times on Paul, 
you know, because Paul was an evangelist and he traveled more and he wrote more and, you know, the other guys travel, but it seems like, you know, their letters might be a little bit smaller and some people feel that Peter's letter should have actually been, uh, John Mark's letter, uh, the gospel of Mark because, uh, Mark later comes and he hangs out, you know, uh, with Peter, uh, and stuff and, you know, all these things, you know, there's all kinds of writing and things out there with that as well. But notice here, Paul, Peter at the end, he says, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be both glory and now forever. Amen. Say, grow. Say, learn. So you're not a novice. Say, how would you like to have a novice build your house? You know, I, I think we'd have a situation, wouldn't we? You know, in Japan, all the guys that are the professionals, their boots that they wear on their job has split toes. Have like their boots have like a little split toe in it, and they are designed. You know, it's just like having on a, a regular boot. You know that they work in, but theirs have like a, a split, kind of like if you had just split between your, your big toe and your other toes. Theirs have a split there, to mean that they're the professional. That they know they're not a novice. They're they're expected to make sure it's right. But the guys that are newbies on the job, you don't see that on theirs, say, because they're workers. But the ones that are the professionals that know, say, their boots and things are right. Say, when it comes to holiness, say, the God doctrine is designed to teach us why we do what we do is right. Say, my dress and appearance and things should be totally different than a newbie that's walking in off the streets. I shouldn't look like someone else that don't know. Say, I should be at a higher level. Because I should know the doctrine. See, the doctrine is designed to cause me to know because I've looked into the perfect laws of liberty and I understand the laws of liberty. Amen. Of God from his word. And so my actions and my attitude and my conduct should be so much higher than someone is just coming in off the street. But what is my job? Because I know the doctrine now is my responsibility to turn around to take those that is coming off the street that help them to understand and learn the doctrine so that they come up and grow in the knowledge and the grace of Almighty God, because, see, we was without God. Remember on Wednesday night, we had no hope in this world, but God, because of his love and mercy towards us, he drew us, and that's why grace, we're saved, see, so that we can teach others. So we can't be novice in this thing, amen? And wow. And then we got to be ethical. I'm done. 
Amen. Just remember, we have we have to be ethical in everything we do. And ethics just fall right back to one thing, the golden rule. And if you notice, the whole Bible is all about the golden rule. That's all it is. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Amen? Amen. So doctrine is put on hold for a while, and next we'll be talking about apostolic identity. Amen. So get ready for next month to be talked about apostolic identity. And I think it's going to be great and wonderful. Amen. And it as well. Amen. Father, we exalt you. We thank you for your word. Bless us, keep us, and deliver us from the fear and darkness of this world. We love you and thank you in Jesus' name.